trust you've had a good Christmas, a good rest, and what a joy it is, you know, to spend time with our family and our friends. This Christmas, this year, in fact, has been very different for us all, hasn't it? Really has. But do you know, in the midst of all of the changes, in the midst of everything that's happened throughout this year, it's been wonderful to know the presence and the nearness of God in our lives. And that will never end. It really won't. It doesn't matter what circumstances we go through. It doesn't matter what changes happen in any of our lives. What I love about Jesus and his faithful care over each and every one of our lives is that in spite of what happens around us, he's always there with us. Amen. He's always there. And he said, he's the one that said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Doesn't matter what we go through. It doesn't matter if, you know, you're living on a crest of the wave or if you're down in the valley, he's going to be there. You're going to find him on that mountaintop rejoicing with you when everything is going well, but you'll also find him down on his knees in that valley with you, crying tears, because he'll rejoice with you and he will be in that sorrowful place with you. He's faithful. The Bible talks about him, describes him like this. He's more faithful than a brother. And there's nobody like him, nobody that can fulfill a promise like that. Have you ever known of any person say to you, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll always be there for you. We do the best we can in the relationships and the friendships that we have. But none of us can substantiate a promise like that on that kind of level that Jesus fulfills it. He's there with us in those private moments, in those hidden moments of our heart where nobody else has place to go. He goes. He's there with us. And he wants us to know that today. Maybe that's for somebody here today. You may feel alone. You may, you may feel out on the fringe of things. But do you know what? Draw comfort and security in this. That Jesus never leaves you. Jesus never, ever forsakes you and sometimes when we go through difficulties and challenges especially like we've been through over this last past year that's where we find him most sometimes it's in those weak moments in those difficult moments in those confusing moments that he comes and he's there for us I think it's wonderful I really do and I thank God I thank God for the the church of God, for the people of God, for his body, because he resides with us. And so not only do we know one who never leaves us or forsakes us, but we have one another to draw encouragement from, one another to draw strength from and help from in, in these times. What We are really blessed to, to be together and this morning also we want to welcome those who are watching online. We want to welcome them and encourage them. Faithful people of God coming together collectively to hear the word 
of God. Amen. Well, I want to continue this morning on speaking to you about the four messages that come to us from Christmas. Four messages. We started it last week and we looked at two of these messages. But messages that come to us from the first moments of when Christ Jesus came into our world. Moments that send out messages into our world from the past into our present that are relevant to our lives that we can draw encouragement from, that we can gain security by from our Heavenly Father. When you look at the birth narrative that's recorded in the Bible of those first beginning moments of when Jesus came into our world, oh, it's a wonderful picture of God's involvement in the life or the lives of Mary and Joseph. God wasn't detached. God wasn't removed. God never separated himself from them. In amidst all of the chaos that surrounded them. He was there. Sometimes hidden away it would seem in the background. Sometimes it would seem hidden away as circumstance would corner them. But at every point of their journey... God led them, God guided them, God directed them. And there's messages, I see messages from this, these first moments of when Christ came into our world. Messages that encourage us and strengthen us. It's wonderful to look at this birth narrative, this whole picture that the Gospels present of when Jesus came into our world because there is really a present message of hope for every one of our lives. As we journey through this life, as we follow God's plan for our lives and His purpose. And as we seek to obey it, there's messages that come to us from their journey, Mary and Joseph's journey, as they sought to obey God's word for their lives. Let me just recap over the four of those messages that, we, that we've been looking at and that we're looking at today. Firstly, I said last week that from this first moment of when Christ came into our world and prior to it, we see how God displays his favor in the most unfavorable of places. If you remember, we looked at Luke's gospel. And we saw how Luke describes those opening moments where Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, visited Mary in a city called Nazareth. That's where she lived. And Nazareth had an awful reputation. I covered this last week. Nothing good can ever come out of Nazareth. That's the very place where God went. The very city. And that's significant to all of our lives. There's a message in that. For us to pick up on, to draw hope from, to be encouraged by. The very place, the very city that had an awful reputation of nothing good ever coming out of it. That's the very place that God chose. That's the very place that God saw a virgin that pleased his heart and sent his angel Gabriel to visit her. And he announced glad tidings and favor. 
told her that she was highly favored by God. What was God doing in that moment? He was displaying his favor in the most unfavorable place, Nazareth. And the message to us from that is this, is that God chooses our lives much like that town, that city of Nazareth that's despised. He chooses our lives much like that city of Nazareth that has many negative connotations attached to it, has nothing good coming out of it. God chooses our lives just like that Nazareth and displays his favor in it. It doesn't matter where we've been. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter where we are in life today because God loves us. Just like he went to Mary in Nazareth and displayed his favor in an unfavorable place, so he chooses each and every one of us to display his goodness and his favor in. It's incredible. It's amazing. Because God is so unlike us. We choose the favorable places. God is completely opposite. He chooses the unfavorable places to reside and to pour out his love and his mercy. Jerusalem, the city, was the favorable place. So God goes to Nazareth, the unfavorable place, to meet a virgin and to fulfill his plan in her. Paul, later, many years later, in fact, right into the Corinthian church, I believe, picked up on this very idea when he said this, not many of you were educated, not many of you were wise when it came to this world, the things of this world, not many of you were powerless, uh, powerful. In fact, you were powerless. God, and then, then he goes on and he says this, God chose the foolish things of the world, referring to their lives, the things that are weak to openly and publicly shame the strong, the powerful. What was Paul saying? He was saying, well... Much like God went to Mary in Nazareth through the angel Gabriel, so he comes to us. And our lives are weak and maybe we're despised and shameful and powerless. And God says, I'll go there. I'll reside there. And as we open our hearts to him, Christ is conceived in our lives and in our hearts like he was conceived in Mary's womb. And we live with new life. That's a wonderful message. One of the messages that comes to us from this first moment when Jesus came in to our world. And when the angel Gabriel announced that amazing news to Mary. But the second message that we looked at last week was how God gives direction in the midst of distress. What a wonderful message this is. Because life has its distressing moments. And as you get older, you begin to realize that. Oh, but there is, dis there is direction from God. In amidst all of the distresses of life, in amidst all of the complications, when our, when our emotions are low, when, when we think we've come to the end of ourselves and we can go no further, the wonderful hope, the good news of the, of, of the Bible 
from cover to cover is that God comes into the midst of our distress with wonderful, clear direction. And he doesn't shout at us. And he doesn't, you know, coerce us and, and make, make unreasonable demands. The Bible describes his voice like a gentle whisper. Not an angry dictator. You must do this. You must do that. No, he knows. In fact, the Bible tells us in the book of James that we stumble and fall and sin in many ways. But thank God, in our distress, that direction comes to us. This is a message that comes up from this first moment, these beginning moments of when God's purpose was going to be fulfilled in Mary and Joseph's life as Christ was going to be born. Joseph, we looked at it in Matthew's gospel. He was deeply distressed after finding out that Mary, his espoused bride, was pregnant. I believe, you know, that Joseph believed Mary. When Mary must have relayed the facts to Joseph as to how she conceived this Christ child in her womb. Just like Gabriel had said. And promised, she relayed it to Joseph. I'm going to be overshadowed by the power of the Most High. And what's going to be conceived in my womb is going to be holy. Jesus is going to be born. He's going to be the Savior of his people. She relayed that faithfully to Joseph. And I believe that Joseph believed her. But he just couldn't get his mind around it. And he was distressed. We read about that in Matthew's gospel. He didn't know what to do. And when you're distressed, it's easy to make decisions that are wrong. And Joseph was considering privately putting Mary away. I believe he'd come to a moment where he was even willing to sacrifice his bride so that she would fulfill the call of God on her life to bring the Savior Jesus into the world. It was a moment of sacrifice for Joseph, but as he considered these things, what happened? An angel in a dream spoke to him, brought direction. Joseph, it's okay. You can join Mary in this call. Don't be afraid to take her. To your side support her in this and he faithfully did it God gives direction for every distressing moment from for every complex situation that you and I can't figure out and there have been many and there will be many do not fear child of God patiently wait you may have to consider like Joseph considered over a period of time and wait patiently as to how you're going to go forward. But in that consideration and that patience that you give to your decision, I believe. And I know from the little experience that I have, God brings direction for our distress. He really does. And he brought Joseph on through. And we see this couple now united together to fulfill God's word and God's call over their lives. Now what we're going to look at today and what we're going to see is how God requires our use of faith to overcome fear. 
And then after this, we're going to look at how God provides light to overcome darkness. These are the next messages that we're going to consider that come out of this first moment of when Christ was born. When God's purpose was fulfilled in giving Christ Jesus as his gift of love to this world to save mankind from their sins. God encourages our use of faith to overcome fear. There will be times where fear stands toe-to-toe in our way in moving forward in what God has for us. Fear will want want us to back off. Fear will want us to believe all kinds of things that are contrary to God's word. And the voice of fear can be very powerful, very strong. But when the word of God has settled in our hearts, even amidst all of the fears that we feel, even amidst all of the circumstances that would try to hinder us doing what God has called us to do, our faith in God's word God's promise, what he has said to us in those secret moments of life, our faith will prevail and enable us to overcome every fear that we face in life. This is what we see happening in Mary and Joseph's life. You know, when you read the gospel accounts, and I encourage you to do it, maybe between now and the new year, take some time to read the gospel accounts of these beginning moments of when Christ came into our world, where God's word and promise was being fulfilled for us. Because it's a complete picture. You know, if we only had the part about when Gabriel visited Mary in Nazareth, Or if we only read the part about when the angel directed and gave guidance to Joseph in relation to going forward with Mary, we would have a very limited understanding of these very first moments of when Christ came. The picture is much bigger than that. That's part of the picture, but only part. There's more to the picture. Because when Gabriel visited Mary with the wonderful news that she was going to conceive a child in her womb and fulfill the word and the plan of God that had been in waiting for thousands of years and prophesied by prophets from many generations, she was going to bring fulfillment to it through her womb as she surrendered it to God. If we only looked at that and if we only heard about the favor that God spoke to her in those moments through the angel Gabriel, we would tend to think that they had an easy journey in life. If we only thought about the moments when the angel came to Joseph, the picture and our understanding would be misconstrued. There's far more because whilst... This first Christmas, this first scene is about God's incredible favor coming to a woman in a place that is most unfavorable. Not only is it 
a story about God's great favor, it's also a story and a journey of faith overcoming fear that is very real and very tangible. Let me read to you just again those headline moments, that headline news when Gabriel entered Mary's home in Nazareth. This is the headline moment where God announces his favor to her. Luke chapter 1 verse 26 to 33 says this, Now in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting was this. This was. Then the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth the son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom and of his kingdom there will be no end. This is headline news. This is God's favor being explained and decreed over this woman, this humble virgin. And it's breaking news. But if that is all we had to go on, we wouldn't see the full picture. The headline news was glorious. The headline news was wonderful. But the fine print of fulfilling the promise and bringing the Son into the earth was very different, very, very different indeed to that glorious headline news of God's favor. And we'll see. We'll see it this morning as we, as we move through this. Whilst Joseph and Mary knew that God's favor was on them, whilst they knew through angelic visitation that God had called them and they were obedient to that purpose. They had to have a faith that overcame every fear that presented itself to them because changes were going to occur. From the moment that Mary said, be it done unto me according to your word, everything went into a changing state. Everything about their lives began to completely change. Nothing would ever remain the same. The moment that she said, I will be obedient. You can use me. I want to give my life and surrender my life over to your will. As she did that, and as Joseph joined her in that, everything would start to change. I'm sure in Nazareth, both of them, knowing now that they were going to bring in this new arrival, this new king, this king of kings, the savior of the world. 
I'm sure that they began to prepare their home in Nazareth like any parent would do. Every parent here knows the preparations that go into preparing your home and changing rooms and decorating areas for the new arrival. And this young couple would have been more than aware of the changes and the preparations they had to make. God's son was going to be born. We've got to make sure that everything is ready and right for his arrival. And then suddenly the change comes. The change comes. A sudden change from nowhere comes as Caesar Augustus sends out an edict, a law, for a census to be given over the whole world. He was a powerful ruler. And that meant that Joseph had to return to Bethlehem, his hometown, to register within this law. That was a hundred mile journey. And by this time, after all of the preparations had been made in Nazareth, now Mary's heavily pregnant. There's a problem. We've got to make a hundred mile journey to get back to Bethlehem in order for me to fulfill this census. And Mary now is heavily pregnant. They're forced to make a journey that potentially they did not want to make. What was happening? They were trusting. They had to trust God in the face of all of their fears. And off they went on that 100-mile journey. Little did Caesar Augustus know when he issued that edict, he was actually fulfilling a prophetic word because hundreds of years before, through prophecy, through the prophets in the Old Testament, one declared that the Christ child, the Messiah that would come, would be born not in Nazareth, but in Bethlehem. And through a wicked emperor who was merciless, who had no compassion, who thought he was just throwing his weight around to understand who was under his rule, he was fulfilling the very prophecy of God's word and by sending Joseph and Mary back to Bethlehem, their hometown. But changes, their life was full of sudden changes as they sought to fulfill God's word. Probably changes that they didn't understand. But they just went with it. They flowed with it. They just allowed life and God's purpose to use circumstance as transportation into his will and to open the next chapters of his purpose for them. They get to Bethlehem. What's the next challenge? Well, we all know it, I'm sure. There's no room in the inn. They can't find anywhere for Mary to have this child and now she's heavily in labor. The only place is that old dirty stable that's relegated to animals. It's not fit for a baby to be born there. It's not fit. And yet that's the place that God chose. God is sovereignly orchestrating everything after the way that he wants Christ to come into this world, not how they want him to come into this world. Joseph must have 
as a, as a, as a, as a loving husband must have labored to get room somewhere, just somewhere clean, somewhere private. Everything had been through that stable, such a public place. And yet that's the place where God chose. And what I, what I see, one, what I, what I see in, this, in this picture that the gospel writers give us is that there's no complaint from this young couple. There's no, oh man, I'm giving up on this. This is, a, this is just crazy. This, this plan that God has has brought us nothing but trouble. Surrendering our lives to his will is just absolute confusion. We go from one crisis to another crisis, from one problem to another problem. We're supposed to be highly favored by God. We're supposed to be bringing in one who will save the world from their sins. This is supposed to be a glorious calling that we've got. What's going on here? I don't understand this way. Oh, it's God's way. It's God's way. This is how God does things. And we can't ever understand it. God's ways are higher than ours. Isaiah had prophesied thousands of years before Christ came. He said he will come with no stately form or majesty. And that's how exactly how he came. With no stately form or majesty. If God wanted Jesus to be born in... in in, 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 in a powerful state and with majesty, he would have chosen Herod's palace. But instead of all of that to fulfill prophecy, he's born in a dirty stable. Dirty stable. It's, it seems crazy and completely out of sync with what we would do and what we would choose. And it was. But there's no complaint in this young couple. Their faith, you see, their faith is in God's word. They're not allowing circumstance to dictate or to shape their understanding of God. They're not allowing circumstance and the rough treatment that they're getting by life to turn them bitter towards God. No, they're allowing circumstance to be the vehicle to open up one chapter after another to fulfill God's word. It's an incredible picture. Incredible characters. No complaint. Just patiently going with the sovereign purpose of God. And the beautiful thing is this. In the midst of that confusion. In the midst of Jesus being born in a stable. Shepherds come. And it's almost like just a little confirmation. Because angels had appeared to them and directed them to where Jesus had been born and the first thing they do is they fall down and they begin to worship him it must have been even in that place in that state an encouraging sign that God had sent these humble lowly shepherds that everybody had disregarded and abandoned must have encouraged their heart an encouraging sign that God sent them to confirm they were in the right place. Even that dirty stable, God sanctified, God chose, and he confirmed to them through the, that, those, those shepherds that they were in the right place at the right time. And then it changes again, which is 
Again, quite amazing. The, you read the accounts of the, of the Gospels and you begin to see that they moved from the stable. I'm sure they were really thankful for that. And they moved to a house. And in that house, they must have then been preparing to settle down. Jesus, they're looking after. The baby is slowly growing. And then suddenly, wise men turn up. A star has guided them. They've been on a journey for some two years to get to the place where Messiah would be born. They'd seen his star. What a glorious journey. What a supernatural journey they were having. Angels singing at the birth of the king of kings. No angel sings at the birth of a king. But the king of kings has angelic voice surrounding his birth. Now wise men having traveled thousands of miles. Give their gifts of provision to them. And then they humbly bow and adore him and worship him. We have the lowest of the low in the shepherds despised the outcasts that nobody wanted to be with. And you have the highest of the high in the wise men coming, traveling from thousands of miles to adore him. He brings all together the high and the low. Rich or poor, it matters not. Everyone adores him and bows before him. And they leave and then another chapter begins to open. They'd used their faith to overcome their fears. And now, now they would see how God would bring light to overcome darkness. When God chose to fulfill his promise in bringing Christ into our world, it wouldn't have been in our minds anyway, a favorable moment for all of this to begin. God didn't choose, if we put the facts on the table, God didn't choose the best time to bring Christ into our world. It was a dark time where the Romans occupied much of the world and were so brutal and heavy-handed with people. There was no regard for life. There was no regard or value for anything except their kingdom and their might and their power. And yet God, in the fullness of time, chose this very moment for Christ to be born. And this shows us a message and gives to us a message where we see how God provides light to overcome darkness. None of us like to go through dark times. Times that, times of uncertainty, times where the questions are more than the answers. None of us want to go through those times, but those times occur in our lives, on our journey, and they certainly occurred for this young couple, Mary and Joseph. And yet God provided light 
to overcome the darkness that sought to shroud them and close them down. John, the apostle, says this in his opening gospel. Looking at those first moments of when Christ came into our world. John chapter 1 verse 5, he says this. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it. Or other translations say this. Or overcome it. Or put it out. Light was shining. Whilst they settled in this house, after the wise men left, suddenly another chapter opens up. Suddenly, Mary or Joseph receives a word from an angel. They've got to move on. You see, their lives were so full of many changes. Nothing seemed to be stable. And that's why we can be encouraged when we look at it. Because very often our lives can be full of changes. We can think that we stand on solid ground sometimes only to find that the ground beneath us and the life that we're so used to is shaking before us. But because our lives are built on the rock, no storm, no storm will destroy our house. That's what the Word of God says. And Joseph receives light. Let me read it to you. Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. Talking about the wise men departing, it says this, Now when they, the wise men, had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child... And his mother, flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. For, and, and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying... Out of Egypt, I have called my son. Again, a sudden change, an abrupt change. Maybe they were just resting and relaxing in the fact that they could now again build some kind of home. When suddenly the word of God comes, they've up on their feet, they've got to leave straight away. And again, it's a message of sacrifice. Again, it's a message of surrender over to God's purpose. And sometimes the Word of God will cut right into our comfortable lives. Sometimes the Word of God and the direction that He brings. And in order for us to be obedient to His will, it will cut right into what we want to do and where we want to be. And yet light... Light enables them to move through this dark time. Herod comes and he has word. And he's conspired with the religious leaders in Jerusalem about what's happening and what's gone on. And after the visit of the wise men, he is really incensed and suspicious. He doesn't want there to be another king. 
And from fear and an evil, wicked heart, he begins to murder every child up until the age of two. Imagine that. Nobody to oppose that. Soldiers coming in, just destroying young lives. The, howl, the, 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 the crying and the howling of mothers as they lose their children. This is the time that Jesus was born into. This is how dark it was. No law, lawless. Evil, wicked king could just issue a law like that and suddenly it would be obeyed. And everyone would be suppressed in fear and have to submit to it. Joseph and Mary escaped to Egypt to fulfill another prophetic word. Light comes in the darkness and they move through. And after that two-year period, the Bible says they're able to go back. To Nazareth, Jesus grows up and he grows in wisdom and in stature and he grows up in Nazareth again to fulfill the word of God. As we close this morning, I wonder today, I wonder, is it the favor of God that you need? in the unfavorable places that you find yourself in, in the unfavorable situations that are happening in your life. You may have challenges today in your life that are bigger than your ability to conquer. And on the outside, everything looks good. On the outside, everything looks fine. And listen, you're in good company. We've all played that game. All of us. But behind closed doors, you're battling with challenges that are far bigger than you. And you know it. And it's an unfavorable place. I want to say this to you. God loves you so much. And the story of us all is how he comes to us in those unfavorable moments. Where we have challenges that are bigger than our lives to deal with where it feels like nothing good will ever come out of us. No, something good will come out of you because God will favor you even in that unfavorable place that you find yourself in, battling with challenges that you cannot deal with. God, hey, give him a little room. God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, through his son Jesus, will enable you to conquer those very things that at the moment may be conquering you. Or it could be that, you know, you, you, you're in a distressing time. Lots of things in life that can cause us to be distressed. You need direction. Well, wait a little while. I, I, I once asked the Lord, you know, because the Bible says, doesn't it? It says, wait on the Lord. Have you ever read that in the Bible? It says, wait on the Lord and you shall renew your strength. It's a wonderful promise. So I asked the Lord once, I said, Lord, what does it mean to wait? Bit of a dumb question. What does it mean to wait? Do you know what he said to me? A st I mean, 
really quickly, just that still small voice, wait and see. That's what he said. So I just waited. And you know what? My strength was renewed. Today you may need to wait on the Lord. Things have distressed you. God will bring direction. He will. It's what he does. Why? Because he loves you. And he loves me. And I thank God for that. That direction that comes in those distressing moments. Could be that, you know, you've got a word from God. Fears attacking you. Circumstances around you are all saying that that word that God's given you is never going to be fulfilled. Well, I tell you what, be encouraged by Mary and Joseph today. Be encouraged by them. And place your faith like they did in the word that God's spoken to you. In the face of every fear, you'll come on through. That fear won't win. That fear will not have the day. That giant will go down before you. And you will have a wonderful testimony through the tests of life. Or it could be that you need light to overcome the darkness that you, you feel. It's a very real thing. Paul talking to, and this is the final scripture that I'm going to read to you this morning, and then I'm going to pray. Paul talking to a church again, the church at Corinth, talks about this glorious light that John talked about in his gospel. When John said, the light shines in the darkness, the darkness cannot ever overcome it. Paul talks about this, this light and he makes it very personal. Makes it very personal. In fact, so personal that he tells us that this light actually can shine in our hearts. Which can be a really dark place. Mind. Can be a really dark place. Fears. And depressions. And all of the mixture of feelings of life can be really dark. In your heart and in your in your mind, but Paul reveals something glorious. He takes it one step further on from where John took it in his gospel and he talks about this glorious light shining in our hearts. Let me read it to you. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 to verse 7 says this, For God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We know, or we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not ourselves. This light overcomes darkness. This light is powerful. It's a great power, Paul tells us. And it's in the frail clay jars of our lives as God shines in our lives. I'm going to pray today and you may never have experienced this light of life. Jesus Christ living in your heart. He is but a prayer away. You may be watching this morning on the internet through our live stream. 
You may never have prayed asking Jesus into your heart. The wonderful thing is, I'm going to pray a prayer. There's nothing special about the prayer. It's just to help you acknowledge that you want to make Jesus Savior and Lord of your life. When you do that, a miracle will take place. What Paul talked about to the Corinthian church, light will shine. It's like going into a... Listen, I tell you now, from experience, right? When you ask Christ to come into your heart, when you believe on the name, when you call on the name of the Lord, the Bible says you shall be saved. It doesn't say, you know, you will be next month or next year or, you know, when you're a good boy or a good girl, when you've got enough brownie points with God. It says, no, call on the name of Jesus. You shall be saved. Instantaneous salvation. The moment you call, God doesn't leave any time lapse from the moment that you ask for salvation to the moment that he gives it. It is instantaneous. It's like this, a bit like this, but it's even far more powerful than this. It's like when you go into a dark room and you just flick a switch and everything is illuminated in that room. It's light shining in the darkness, overcoming everything that tries to hold you back in your life. Jesus is a prayer away. I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm not going to embarrass you at all. And what's going to happen? It's going to be like flicking a switch. You're not going to flick it. God's going to flick it. You're going to get wired up to divine life. And your whole life is going to be illuminated with joy. And Christ is going to be born and formed in you like he was formed in Mary. Not physically, but formed in you spiritually. If you want that, I'm going to pray. Repeat this prayer, right? It's not magical. You're just acknowledging that you need a Savior. Repeat this prayer and a miracle will begin today. It really will. It really will. Say this after me. If you want to call on the name of the Lord to be saved for light, this light to shine in your darkness, say this after me today, quietly in your heart. Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner. I need you to save me from my sin. I believe that not only were you born of a virgin, but you died on the cross to take my punishment, to take my place, to be judged for my sin. I accept that and I ask your forgiveness. And for your new life, this light to shine in my heart. I believe that you rose from the dead on the third day and you are alive forevermore. Let me know you in this wonderful relationship that you want to have with me. Amen. Amen. Now, Jesus didn't come into your heart because you repeated that prayer that I just prayed. 
Jesus came into your heart because beyond that prayer, you were calling to him, calling to him, and he's heard it. And now is the moment where you have recognized it and he lives in you. Amen. Listen, if you did pray that prayer, we would love to give you a Bible. Or if you prayed it and you're, you're watching online, we would love to be a part of this journey that you're on with God now. We'd love you to be a part of this family or for you to be in a local church near you that can look after you and care for you and encourage you. But if you, if you need a Bible or you need any information, please, if you're, if you're watching online, there's the details online for you to, uh, to get in contact with us. We will send you a Bible. Absolutely no charge. We would love to do that. It's a joy. Or if you're here this morning and you prayed that prayer, listen, we would love to support you in your decision, give you a Bible, and just keep on encouraging you. Just keep on encouraging you to see this new life grow inside you and support you. Amen. Amen. Church, God bless you. And uh, it is a joy. It really is. We're coming to the end of this year. And uh, it's a joy, isn't it? As we go forward into a new year to know that God's already in it, calling us forward taking us into everything that he has for us. We're going to have a wonderful, wonderful new year. I believe it together as God's people. And we're going to see wonderful things happen. And we're going to see that harvest brought in, Tom. We're going to see that harvest brought in. And this, I tell you, the harvest is white. And we're going to have many, many wonderful testimonies, I believe, in the days and the months to come. God bless you. We're going to finish. Noel's going to lead us as we finish this morning. But God bless you. We love you, church. God bless.